right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time to say. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. RCST brought to you by T-Mobile. T-Mobile has amazing deals for everyone at any of the Lawrence locations. Don't choose between value or coverage. Get both. With T-Mobile. We've got more RCST trivia coming at you today in the 4 o'clock hour. Three more matchups on today's docket. We've got David Lesky of Inside the Crown joining us later this hour. We've got some more audio to share for you. We've got another edition of Case of the Mondays coming up at 5 o'clock today. Normally at 4, but that's reserved for RCST trivia. But how could we not start off the show without, I guess, happy belated birthday. I think it was Christian Brown's birthday yesterday. Happy yeah. 21st birthday yeah, to him. It's KJ's birthday today. That's right. Happy 20th birthday. To KJ Adams, which that's kind of funny thinking out loud that Christian Brown would be a senior next year. KJ would be a sophomore. They're only one year apart. How does that work? I don't know. Well, yeah, it's not like one of those those August birthdays either where your birthday's in January, right? Yes. So you never had my mom often discussed whether or not like what would have happened if I started later because my birthday was in May. So it, it wasn't like it was July or August, but ultimately she she's all she's often wondered out loud what would have been different if mm. she had, if I had been very very old for my would grade. Would you be here right now? Very very low. Who knows? Yeah, I could have been actually good at school and had a real could have been job. A billionaire for yeah. all we know, and you would be sponsoring this show. I yeah, hope. it could be the show brought to you by <laughs> by. Adam. I could actually the dream <laughs> yeah, of an right. Adam Drovetta Bowl in Arrowhead Stadium would be real. <laughs> yeah, be great. Oh uh, well, um, such is life. How about this piece of news from KJ Adams? This happened over the weekend. I don't know who participated. I don't know what the structure was. So this is like complete, um, I don't know. It's just fodder. It's something that happened. The Boys and Girls Club, which does awesome work here in Lawrence, um, they had like a three-point shootout, and they had uh, all the players like pair with with a kid in the Boys and Girls Club. So again, I don't know. Like, did the the kids participate in this as well? Like, was this just the players shooting like on behalf of the kid or what? Apparently, KJ Adams won that three point shootout. Yeah, and worth noting, the kid he was paired with was Reggie Miller. <laughs> so <laughs> Reggie Miller with his knees yeah. on uh, on some shoes. Yeah, it was to make Reggie him look Miller like a pretending kid. to be a kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like. Again, I have no idea what the format is here. I have no idea how this one. I have no idea who all participated. But, like, does that pique your interest at all, <laughs> knowing that he was a guy who, like, not a three-point shooter, not a shooter at all, and no. he won the three-point contest? Hey, I, you know what? It's 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 better. I mean, it's it's not nothing, right? It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's better like, than hey, it man, not happening. Like, I, I don't want him going out and chucking him next year, but I'll say this. Like, if you have a guy who you're like, okay, I'm pretty sure this guy, you know, is is a terrible, you know, terrible to play, but really good. Uh, um, uh, not Unieski Betancourt, Alcides Escobar, mm-hmm. Alcides Escobar, amazing at at the, at shortstop, not good at the plate, 
but for whatever reason, batted first on a world championship <laughs> and team, and it worked yeah. out. Um, but anyway, okay, I'll see Escobar, not known as an offensive guy. But then if you're like, oh, hey, but by the way, in spring training, he cranked five home runs. You're not gonna oh. think. You're not gonna like think it's actually gonna translate. But it is like, really, did he? Yeah, interesting. Um, I'm trying to pull up the stats to see how many he took this year. It, off the top of your head, how many do you think he took? I can't think of one. I'm, I can't either. Maybe there was one with like a shot clock winding out or something. I would have to, yeah. Again, like know. the Wi-Fi is so bad here. So if, like you're a Wi-Fi company, I can try please. to pull it up. Um, but nonetheless, apparently there is some videos on. Uh, I don't have Instagram, but on KJ Adams' like Instagram of him shooting and that the shot looks better as well. So. I, like I don't know how much can you transform your shot? It's been two weeks since the national title game, right? Um, but that does pique my interest just a little bit. Like you said, if some guy goes out there and has a great spring training, it doesn't guarantee he's going to have a great season or that everything's fixed or that everything's changed. But you know what? Sometimes it does. Like I remember Robbie Ray last year. Robbie Ray um, entered again. We're we're making a lot of like baseball comparisons, which is kind of weird. But nonetheless, Robbie Ray entered last year as like this pitcher who had good velocity and good stuff, uh, but would walk a ton of guys and had some solid seasons, not great. And then in 2020 and 2019, he kind of fell off the map. And gets picked up by the Toronto Blue Jays last year. And in spring training, he had a spring training start where he threw like 29 pitches or 30 pitches. And 28 or 29 of them were strikes. And then he goes out and wins the Cy Young. For the season, K.J. Adams was 0 for 1. Okay, so he did take one. Maybe that should be a trivia question. What opponent did K.J. Adams take his three-pointer? game logs. Yeah, see if you can find that. I don't know if we'll use that for trivia for, like, the contestants, but maybe we'll uh, ask one of our, our trusty beat writers on the show. Um, and if you're listening to this now. All right, are you ready? You yeah, yeah. Who is All it right. against? He went 0 for 1. He played six minutes and went. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm looking at the wrong game. Yeah, okay. He played six minutes, went 0 for 1 overall, didn't take any two-point shots, took one three-point shot and missed it in a win over Stony Brook. Wow. Uh, yeah, okay. That would be in the really hard section of things. So uh, we'll ask one of the beat writers. We'll see if they know. We'll see their knowledge. We'll tell them it's a non-conference game. We'll even give them that. Okay, um, but nonetheless... If he becomes a shooter, it drastically changes. And I don't mean, when I say shooter, I don't mean like Ochagbaji. If he became like Ochagbaji or Christian Brown, this is not hyperbole. K.J. Adams is winning Big 12 Player of the Year. And K.J. Adams is an All-American. Like, not hyperbole. If he became that good of a shooter. Like yeah, if Ochagbaji, he became right? as good as the guy who just he would won be, Big 12 Player of the Year. He yeah. would be two inches taller than Ochagbaji. Uh, probably more of a slasher athletic. Ochag might, might have more like vertical pop. Um, but... KJ also would be again longer, like a really good defender. So again, if like if, if you he get became, a dude yeah. built like that that can shoot like Ochai right. Baji, he's a lottery. Pick. Exactly, exactly. Um, but if he can just become like a fine shooter that you have to at least think about. Exactly. If, um, if if he can become the guy that if we're this past season that we're talking about for KU have to having to play, and you're like, is he? going to give Dave McCormick enough trouble on the defensive end that McCormick won't be able to play much to produce on the offensive end because it's just, just a style problem, he become that. 
Yeah. Like become a guy that your big has to think about. Well, and it, it really changes the career trajectory for him because if he can't if he can't ever shoot or, or be defended consistently there, then he probably just is a five for the rest of it. He's just a small ball five, which can be fine. You know, Villanova does that and, and a lot of teams do it that way. Um, but that probably limits your potential in a Bill Self offense to being just more of a rotational guy, right? And it makes, but if the other option is, it makes you feel really damn good if Jalen Wilson decides to leave. Yeah, that's the thing. Because if he does, he came in as, as a forward. Um, if he does project out to be a wing or a four man, I, I think probably four man is, is the more likely of the two. He has <laughs> Can to you shoot a little bit. That man at a wing? I know, right? But that's, I mean, like, 15 years ago, he is. That's a good point. And everybody's like, ah, he can't shoot, but he does other things well. We don't yeah. need shooting, right? Um, nowadays, that's just the game. So he would be a four, which he's a good passer. He's a really good defender. He can rebound the basketball. He's got great positional length, versatility. We know all that stuff. If, if, if you get to a point where teams aren't respecting his shot and you have Dewan Harrison, because we know Dewan's going to play 30, 35 minutes a game next yeah. year, right? We know that... You can't really survive for a lot of minutes with both those guys out in the court if neither is going to be respected much as a shooter. It's just going to clog up the lane. It'll make it impossible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, unless, yeah, unless they decide to force you to. Like, I, I could see some games over early on if they actually turn out and, and work on their shot because Dewan had some games where he just said, okay, fine, yeah, I'll yeah, chuck if it. Yeah, they are. If they are good shooters. Yeah, that's right. what, so if or, they're on. proficient. You like could enough. really see a beginning of the season where teams are backing off of them and you're going, okay, fine, I'll take this shot. And then they're chucking, you know, they shoot, you know, just to use a round number. I don't think they hit this, but just just say they're way backed off of them. And then they're shooting 40%. But then guys start coming up on them, coming up on them, and then through conference play, maybe that's down to like 33% because guys are actually defending them now. But you could really see the way people are forced to defend this team change a lot if Dewan and KJ just show any semblance of an ability to consistently shoot open threes. Yeah. Shoot I, and make open threes. I mean, it is very much the difference in, again, even in, in what I'm talking here, like I don't want to put a specific number because how much of it, I, Scott Chasen used to say this, like how much really is there of a difference between a 30 and a 33% three-point shooter? Like it's it's maybe one three uh, with a low-volume guy, one three, one made three yeah. over the course of like a 30-game season or whatever. So. You know, that's not as important. But can you be someone who is at least respected enough? That could very well be the difference for his career if he stays at five. That could very well be the difference of him, you know, being a starter or not. Again, yeah. it, a lot depends on, like you said, if, if Jalen comes back, it's harder to see him being a starter. But if Jalen does go and, and Christian goes as well and Dave goes and you have a lot of minutes opening up kind of in that front court area, Zach Clemens could be the five, KJ Adams could be the four. Yeah, which which could be a fun little, you know, fun little lineup. He and you know, I think de defensively, I'll say this: it seems like he's already. If, if, I mean, if, if you need no other evidence than the Miami game, it seems he's got the all important Bill Self trust factor in, in t at least in terms of the way he plays defense. He was he's on not, the court at the end of the national championship game. Yeah, and um, and so he and he got a special mention at the end of the you know and, and K, you know KU crushed Miami so so soundly in the second half that a lot of people, you know, rightly kind of forget that. Um, but Self made it a point to mention KJ's play on um, McGusty at the end of the first half uh, who couldn't miss and, and, and KJ having a big play on him uh, at the end of the half in the Elite Eight. 
And so, you know, he's built a, it's kind of like Jalen, except he consistently, like, Jalen is built like a guy that you go, that guy should be so good at defense. But he kind of has some, like, dude, what are you doing? Lapses. KJ, granted, hasn't played a 35 minute game yet. So maybe he will be prone to those lapses if, as the minutes increase. I hope not, but it's possible. But he's just got those big old spidery arms. They're like, that guy should be really, really good playing defense. And, you know, I, I think he's getting there. And and if he, you know, it, that'll be very important. If he can be a useful tool offensively, um, then that will make his defense that much more valuable if for no other reason than he'll spend more minutes on the floor. Well, I think, I think it has to go one of two ways. One is, and this is... I think the simplest way to more playing time and being able to play at multiple positions and maybe be a starter, like I said, and I think long-term have a great career at KU and eventually make the NBA, is that three-point shooting. The other thing, at least this would stick to you know, playing minutes at the five, if you can't develop the three-point game, you got to at least develop something on the block because... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you have to learn how to move and yeah, like it, it, and out rebound dudes who are taller than you. Well, there were several times this year where we did see him come in at the five, and it, it might have helped KU defensively in a, in a given time, but um, they just it didn't allow them to do anything on offensively. Like you, you couldn't throw him the ball in the post and just say, "Hey, go go do something." Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he it could be like a, like Mitch took time, but eventually you could basically say if that dude gets if you if if you can't stop him from getting a right handed hook, he'll cook you. Mm-hmm. And so if maybe he could develop a game like that. Let me let me put it in another way that some uh, some people who have been NBA fans for a long period of time will understand what I mean by this. K.J. Adams shooting well versus K.J. Adams not shooting well is the difference between K.J. Adams winding up playing in the NBA and K.J. Adams winding up um, writing a book about his time playing at KU. <laughs> I mean, I, would, I wouldn't go that That is that what far. you do. If you play at KU, you either go to the NBA or you write a book. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far because they're they're still like Europe and the G no, League I know, where. I know. But I I know what you mean. Like, it, but it is it's true. Like if if he becomes a good enough shooter, he can be Marcus Garrett. He seriously can. I mean, different positions, yeah. different things they do. I don't I don't mean in the same way that like Garrett was facilitating offense. That wouldn't be the case with KJ. But in terms of being this like multi positional defensive stopper who in professional ball you could match up one through four although with KJ's height maybe one through five with Garrett in his case one through five in college one through four probably in the NBA um like those things are all true with KJ he can be that good of a defender it would not be stunning to me if if you told me KJ Adams stays two or three more years with Kansas if at some point he won that like Naismith defensive player of the year it would not be that stunning to me that's how good of a defender I think this guy can be but yeah, the difference between him being an NBA guy, the difference between him being uh, a possible like 30, 35-minute-a-game guy, a guy who is a Big 12 Player of the Year candidate, those types of things, it comes down to the shot. How about this? It, 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 use this Kansas team as an example of a guy he could be effective against. In the national championship game, You know, Dave obviously turned it on and was fantastic, and, and Baycott probably you know, he struggled. And, but Dave was doing really well even before Baycott rolled his ankle another time. But um, one answer that KU came up with for the second half was Christian Brown uh, posting up, which, by the way, is something that um, 
Ochai, I'm surprised, never figured out in his time at KU. They did it a few times this year. He but... wasn't as good at it as Brown. Mm-hmm. But whatever. That's that's beside the point. That's splitting hairs because Ochai was an incredible player, obviously. But the point I'm trying to make, if okay, if you have your three guy playing a certain style and it's not working and you go, all right, well, the guy defending him is shorter. Let's play our three guy posting up. And that becomes very effective, then if you're the other team, you go, okay, take the short guy off of him, KJ. Even though he plays a three, he's now posting up as a guard. Guard that. And and all of a sudden, you take away that effectiveness. And then if he goes back out to the, to the outside and you're no longer posting up with that guard anymore, then put the smaller guy back on him out, out in the perimeter. So he, he, he's so versatile. That he he you know that I think is the biggest thing and he's kind of he's just he's the opposite like so many times for McCormick this year we said if he can he's got to play at least effective defense because you need his offense whereas with KJ it's kind of like he could become a kind of guy where it's like he has to play at least effective offense because of what he has to offer defensively yeah and I will say one thing that's going his way. He obviously is a good athlete. We saw a couple like big time dunks from KJ yeah. throughout the point of the season to where he is clearly a candidate for that Bill Self out of bounds lob play. And oh, you, yeah, know, yeah. Uh, you know, Bill Self, like he loves teams to throw good alley oops and get dunks that way. He's a candidate for that. Big, so. big to big passing. Now, this hasn't become as huge of a deal be- since Self has stopped uh, the three around two. Like you saw, I-, I just watched the other night the North Carolina 08 game, the semifinal game, and the amount of uh, you know, con to Arthur, Arthur to Jackson. Um, it's not as huge of a deal now because Self runs way more four around one than than he ever did. But big to big passing is still important to Bill Self. Yeah, it is. Uh, maybe we'll take a look at all like the individual players, like we just kind of did with KJ. But happy birthday to KJ! And uh, yeah, if that shot is for real, that's a very big deal. For KU. All right, this is Rock Truck Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com. Trivia starts in about 40 minutes. David Lesky in about 20. Daily poll coming up next. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Truck Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Okay, I'm about to say something super hyperbolic. KJ Adams has the chance. I'm not saying it's it's happened already or it's like happening right now. But he has the chance, the potential to be the most impactful non-center KU defender of the Bill Self era. I know that was a lot of qualifiers. I know it was. Let me explain. So non-center. So take away Jeff Withy, Udoke Ezbuki. I think we would all agree center defender, like a great center defender, impacts more than any position, right, college basketball? Yeah, because he, he helps. You're helping other uh, people. Yeah, exactly. A great, a great center gives a little bit of um, less pressure to the perimeter defender. Right. So there have been a lot of great non-center defenders in Bill Self's time at KU. First, Jeff Hawkins was really good. Marcus Garrett. Marcus Garrett. Russell uh, Robinson. Russell Robinson. Mario, Mario Chalmers, Chalmers. Although Chalmers was, like Chalmers was good, but Chalmers, he was more of like Chalmers, an opportunist. He would yeah, get yeah, steals, he, right? Yeah, he, he had a lot of great steals. Um, uh, Travis Relliford. Relliford was one of, I've never, I'm yet to see the the guy who, like, I'm, I don't even know what the word, I don't know. I'm sure there's a term for it amongst basketball coaches, but the guy who um, 
just as an as on offense, just runs around trying to get an open shot. I've I've never seen I've never yeah. seen anybody defend that guy like Travis. Relliford. Yeah, yeah, that man the was, guy who's like working around screens and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Travis Relliford was remarkable at, at off the ball defense. Yeah, it was it, it was incredible, and a lot of guys. He was defending, didn't spend a lot of time with the ball in their hand. He was usually defending catch-and-shoot guys. So it was on-the-ball defense. He didn't get a lot of opportunities to show that off. His away-from-the-ball de- defense was incredible. Brady Morningstar was a pretty good defender. Um, I mean, there's a lot of guys that— The thing about Morningstar is he was real heady. Yeah. You know, coach's kid. Coach's kid, Jim Rat. Jim Rat, yeah, played yeah. the right way. Yeah, he did. Really uh, scrappy grimy, player. Yeah. grit and grind, you know, yeah. all those things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a long list, right? Marcus Garrett probably would be at the top because of the fact that if I'm saying I'm I'm not necessarily saying best event I'm saying most impactful right notice the words there so the thing that makes Marcus because the amount of guys Marcus Garrett could defend exactly but here's the thing Marcus Garrett and again this is what I'm saying potential so like to 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 live up to those standards you have to win a national defensive player of the year but I I legitimately do think that is the ceiling. For K.J. Adams defensively. Think about this. Marcus Garrett, as versatile as a defender he was, he was 6'5", 195 pounds. Do you know what K.J. Adams is? He's 6'7", mm. 225. And that might be, I mean, if he's 225 pounds, it is 225 pounds of pure muscle. That yeah, dude has yeah, tree I mean, trunks of legs. No, nobody on this team Probably is. has like a 12-pack. I don't know. Yeah, nobody on this team is. You always the, He's the, a freak. You can always get a good idea of the, the picture of... Um, the post boot camp picture because most of the guys have their shirts off, mm-hmm. and you're just like, "Good lord, it's not an ounce of fat on those guys." <laughs> right. So he's he's six. He's listed at six seven. Yeah. So he's six two. <laughs> yeah. Six one and a half. Yeah. Six three with shoes. But yeah. no, I mean, he's if Marcus Garrett was listed at six five, right. he was probably six two six three. So this guy's you know he's probably six five ish, um, but he's listed six seven, and that's not a KU thing. Every program does that. Um, but yeah, he. He can move. I think his height. Really, thinking, he can legitimately guard one through five. That's I the really thing. Think his that. height really kind of belies how well he can move his feet, and you're going to get better at that playing for Bill Self because Bill Self's obsessed with, with right. footwork. Well, think about this too. Marcus, as versatile as he was, the one thing Marcus Garrett couldn't do is be a help side rim protector. Where he comes yeah. from the opposite side and blocks it. KJ Adams can. He can. I mean, you know he can't. I mean? Yeah, he can't. So away. Again, it's not and a guarantee. Again, this, it'll this goes back to the non-center thing. KJ he won't be able to block shots like Withy. Right. You know, Withy. Cole Aldridge. Or yeah, no. Withy had that whole thing that not only was he crazy tall and crazy long, he also I think he played high school volleyball. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he played college volleyball for. Did he play at one a bit point? with Arizona? I don't that know. could have been. Regardless, he was an ex volleyball player, so he had he just already had form developed from another sport that you couldn't get anywhere else. Um, but yeah, he could. You're absolutely right. He, I mean, he he's we've seen guys in his position be weak side help mm-hmm. defenders before. Yeah, I'm just saying the potential's there. I'm just saying the potential. I, I know some people are going to take that the wrong way. But also, it's funny because as much as we're talking about KJ right now, and I am, we're going to take a deep dive into every player over the next couple weeks. Um, like, there, there is still a chance. There have been talks circulating around. I don't know to what, like, actual truth any of this is about the idea of KJ. Like, it's not a for sure thing. He's back. He could possibly transfer. I'm sure part of it will depend on who comes back for KU because he could want a uh, bigger role on the team. So it's just just kind of interesting. But here's the the daily poll question for today. If KJ Adams is Marcus Garrett from 3, 
Now, to what that means, even though I'm writing the question, I guess you can kind of interpret that your own way. Like, do I mean Marcus Garrett for his career? Do I mean Marcus Garrett in his senior season or one of his individual seasons or his sophomore season? Because that's what KJ will be next season. I don't know. You interpret your own way. If KJ Adams is Marcus Garrett from three, then he is a what? Option one is an all-Big 12 player. Option two is a starter. Option three is a rotation player. And option four is other. I don't know if you just want to say something else. Offhand, I don't know. I don't have... I have Garrett's numbers in front of me if you want them. Well, I'm going to start by saying starter, but then give me Garrett's numbers and see if that changes my mind. So again, it kind of depends when you view it from Garrett. Garrett is a freshman shot just 27% from three on 1.2 attempts per game. Sophomore year, he was at 25% from three. He played 28 minutes per game, though, and uh, that was at 1.6 attempts per game. Then he got up to 33% as a junior. He was up to 34.8% on 2.3 attempts as a senior. So for his career, 30% from three on 1.6 attempts. Let's say the career of Marcus Garrett. Then starter. I don't think that's good enough to get to the All-Big 12. I agree with that. I mean, maybe like All-Big 12 honorable mention if you wanted to yeah, split hairs, yeah. but that's not what I'm we're talking, talking about here. Team. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm really high on KJ, and I hope he sticks around for KU. All right, he's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Truck Sports Talk. You can vote on that poll at RCST 1320. David Lesky, Inside the Crown, talks Royals with us next. A time on a Monday here on Rock Truck Sports Talk. Joined now by David Lesky of Inside the Crown. Most, most important, most prevalent question that I'll probably have for you today. Thoughts on the Royals City Connect hats? I love them. Um, I had heard they were going to be fountain themed and they were making the Casey out of fountains. And I, I was trying to figure out, are they going to do like the heart thing? Um, and they kind of did. So that's, that's, um, I, I like it a lot. I, I don't, I don't love the Navy. Um, but also most of the city connect uniforms have been, um, at the least an off color for the teams. And so I, you know, I, I like the way the Cubs look and they, they are not Navy. And so I'm, I'm excited to see the rest. I really like the hats, though. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm curious to see what the whole uniform looks like, and uh, I know a lot Dude, of. Will it be one color? You know, like the Cubs yeah. and White Sox are one. I don't know. I'm curious. Yeah, a lot of the City Connect uniforms, I feel like, have um, gotten a lot of blowback. I think for one way or another, but these look. Yeah, these look pretty good. I don't know. No, I, here's here's what I what I would like to see. I want to see all powder blue with that navy mm, letter. That, that would be, would be sweet. good. That would be sweet. But there's still going to be a subsect of fans who's like, what are you doing, right? No matter right, what. Yeah. Well, no, nobody's going to like everything. Right. <laughs> and, right. And, and there's a lot of people are going to like nothing. But <laughs> um, I, I, I really, I, like I said, I like the hat. I, I, hope, I hope it's not all Navy. That, that's my only thing that I think I would not like. Um, although, like I said, the Cubs looks good. And if, if it looks like theirs, I'm okay with that too. So we'll see. All right, well, yesterday's game was postponed. Um, no game today. There's all sorts of thunderstorms scheduled for this week. If, if the Royals just never play again, what will be your lasting memory of this team? Well, I mean, look, they won the game on a Hunter Dozier home run, and I said before the season that Hunter Dozier is, and, and, I, and I, mean, I mean this in, the, in a very complimentary way, that Hunter Dozier is fine. <laughs> <laughs> so he... Um, yeah, I mean that that that's what'll that's what'll stick in my mind is that ball going out against the wind and and, and a triumphant end of the 2022 season in, in mid April. <laughs> yeah, I mean they they might. I, I'm I'm a little bit worried that they're going to end up playing like 53 games in 42 days or something mm. at some point because they've got the White Sox games to make up from from the lockout. 
They've already got two rainouts now. I mean, it's 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 getting it's getting hectic in the middle of that season. But um, I, I don't know. It looks like I think tomorrow should be okay, and then Wednesday looks like it's supposed to stop raining about like six forty-five. So may, maybe they'll be able to sneak in three games, or maybe we just next time we talk they'll still be three and five. Who knows? No, no, I'm sorry. They'll be in Seattle next weekend. They'll play three more games. Well, I mean, if we just look at the standings by, you know, losses, then if that ends up happening, yeah. like, Royals are, are set, right? Because um, if if you're behind someone, you'd rather be behind them in the win column because you can always get the wins. You can't get the losses back, right? Well, look, five losses would be a record for the least in the season. Mm. So, I, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, if, if that's how it ends, that's how it ends. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's fine. Uh, we're talking with David Lesky here of uh, Inside the Crown. So, We've gone through the rotation now and for a couple guys a couple times, and obviously a lot of the younger guys got blown up their first time through. Um, of the young guys who maybe have not seen good results, so Lynch, Kowar, Hernandez, I guess uh, you know Chris Bubich was, was pretty good in his latest start, so I don't know if he would still be included here because he got rocked in his first one, but um, have any of the performances... Uh, like, like, how many of those do you just view as, oh, this is a bad sign, and how many of those do you view as, like, yeah, the results weren't there, but I actually kind of liked what I saw there? I mean, Lynch, for sure. Um, I, I thought he looked, the stuff looked really sharp, and then you look at the, I mean, you knew the home runs, but I mean, you give up nine hits in five innings, and that just didn't, it didn't, that doesn't what I saw, <laughs> because a lot of swings and misses, the fastball was really good, the slider was really good. Um, so I, I think there's, there's um, probably some better results in there for him if he continues to pitch that way. Um, I, I liked what I saw from Bubich on, on Saturday, too. Not The walks were terrible, um, but I, I wrote Inside the Crown today. I, it seems like it's a pretty obvious mechanical fix. I mean, he's finishing his fastballs too high. He just wasn't, he wasn't finishing his pitches. And I mean, you can see it. You, you can see it when you watch the video that he just wasn't getting as low on his delivery, and so the ball sailed. Okay, well, that's, that's an easy fix. I mean, that's, that's one of those things that may, maybe it's tough in the moment, but by the time he starts again, I think that he should have that handled. Um, so I thought, I thought he looked better. And also, I don't – obviously you don't want to see six walks, but I like it when pitchers are able to work in, in, around trouble because I think it, it builds a little bit of – I can, you know, there's two on and one out. I, just, I can get out of this. I can do this. And that's something, and not to pick on Brady Singer, we've only seen him once and he was terrible, but that's something that I don't feel like he has. I don't feel like he has that, well, there's two on, I can get out of this. No, it's, oh, there's two on, what am I going to do? And and so I think that's a, that's a good sign from Bubich. You know, still a small sample now from Hernandez and, and Singer and, and, and Lynch only has the one start, so... It, it's hard to say, but I, I thought those two in particular showed me something that I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing in the next time out. Well, meanwhile, Brad Keller has looked really good through his first two starts. Yeah. Everything that you've seen, uh, what do you find sustainable about it? Is there anything that maybe still worries you despite the uh, results? I, I mean, what he's done is sustainable. If His big issue is control. <laughs> to a lesser extent, command. Um, which, as you know, they can go hand-in-hand, hand and they can also kind of be separated. But if he if he's throwing strikes, the stuff is good. I mean, he's got 95-plus on his four-seamer. His slider gets a ton of swings and misses. I, personally, I would go away from the sinker a little bit more. I mentioned that this morning, too, that uh, the two-run homer he gave Torkelson, I think if he had thrown 
a four-seamer in that exact same spot, I don't think it would have been a home run. I think that Torkelson got to pick up the spin on the first pitch and then saw it again, and it was a little bit easier. Big league hitters, even guys in their second week, like Torkelson is, they they pick things up quickly. And so I'd like to see a little bit more of the 96 four-seamer than the 93 two-seamer. But otherwise, he's looking a lot like some combination of the guy we saw in his last eight or nine starts last year when he struck out a, a good number of batters. And the guy we saw in 20, you know, 2018 to 2020, when he was an above-average big league pitcher, he's getting ground balls, he's getting some swings and misses, he's looked, he's looked fantastic. And you know, there's always the question, can he finish the season? Because he hasn't done that yet. Not, not starting from game one to game 162, but um, everything that he's shown, as long as he can throw strikes, looks like it's sustainable to me. And I think that would be, uh, I don't know, pretty... Pretty important for the Royals, and as they try to, I guess, kind of find which guys are, um, yeah. I guess, at the top of the rotation, and, and who's going to be part of things next year. Let me ask you, uh, like, I I know it's it's too early on the season to punt, and, and I don't want to turn this into a you know trade conversation or anything like that. But is there anybody that early on you, you see if if the Royals are out of contention by the time we get to you know late July that right now sticks out as possible trade candidates for when that happens? Yeah, I mean, a couple guys. Ben Intendi is is the obvious one because he's a free agent for the season. If they can't get to an extension with him, and I think they're still working on it, they haven't they haven't even settled his arbitration number yet because the lockout has pushed that into the season. Um, but I, I don't think you can let him walk. I think you've got to either sign him or trade him. So he's a guy. I think that he's the obvious name. Um, but Keller is another one. You look at what guys get when they have three months left versus when they have a year and three months left because Keller is, will be eligible for free agency following next season. If they're out of it and he continues to pitch well, I mean, this is the time to move him because his value will likely never be higher. Um, he provides the team two playoff pushes, um, and, and if, if he is that guy, obviously. And, and so I think he makes a lot of sense as, as someone to trade and then you also look around, you know, any, any pending free agent is a guy that you would consider moving. And that includes Zach Grinke. Um, you know, Carlos Santana is the obvious trade, <laughs> trade guy you want to move, but nobody wants him. Um, and, and, you know, those, those guys who are about to be free agents. And, and, and on the same note as Keller, uh, Alberto Montesi, if he picks things up, he's only got a year and at the, at the deadline a year and two months left. And so, then you start to look at that too, and and so they have a few guys. Um, the problem is most of them aren't playing that well yet, so they they need to pick things. But Keller and Benintendi are already on their on on track to be coveted, so I think they could move. Um, what do you make of of the bullpen right now? The ERA does not look good at all. If if you overall with the bullpen, I, I know you talked about this in in your article inside the Crown, so I don't want to give away the whole thing because people should subscribe to your Substack and go read it, but. Um, is it maybe not as bleak as you might think? No, it's not. It's something I remember about this. Uh, I learned in 2014. Um, everybody thinks that 2014 bullpen was just top to bottom shut down. Outside of Holland, Davis, and Herrera, they had a, almost a five ERA. And so that, that was one of those that made me realize, all right, a total bullpen ERA maybe isn't that important. Maybe it's, you got to look at the guys who are, who are expected to hold down leads and keep deficits close. Yeah, I, I mentioned this. You, 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 you knock Jackson Coar out of the bullpen, and the ERA drops literally a point and a half. 
it goes from five three five to three eight six. I think it was like <laughs> that's that's a crazy number for one pitcher to be responsible for, and and he's not on the team anymore. So if you want to say, well, you can't just take him off. Well, no, he got demoted partially because of that. I. I think that we, ha- I think the Royals had a pretty good idea it was going to be him when Piams came back. Um, so maybe not because of that, but either way, he's not on the team anymore. So that's, I, I think that it's kind of fair to look at the overall production in that lens. And then I took out Singer too, and that dropped the bullpen area below three. Brady Singer's not a reliever. I don't know if he's a starter, but he's not a reliever either. So um, I, I think when you look at the key components outside of Jake Brent, they're all performing well. Josh Stamont was dynamite on Saturday. Um, Dil- or, um, yeah, Dylan Coleman's looked really good. Colin Snyder has been nasty. Scott Barlow looks like Scott Barlow. Uh, Amir Garrett has looked good in, in a limited sample. You know, they, they've got some arms. Um, and I, I still really like the bullpen. The numbers are bad, but I, I think that that's a little misleading. Yeah, it, uh, I'm sure it'll be something that settles down. At what point do you think um, – the Royals are, are going to be willing to move on from Whit Merrifield at the, uh, the leadoff spot. I mean, the, the honest answer when I think they will is her. <laughs> if I, if I know, change that question to when should they, what would your answer be? Uh, I, my answer would be seven ten tomorrow night. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I would think that before the season, look, I, people love Whit Merrifield and, and I think it, it kind of stinks what they're doing because, I, I feel like the way they're handling him right now is the sort of thing that gets people to dislike their favorite player because they are watching him watch his on-base percentage drop every single year, um, become a bigger a bit and bigger problem at the top of a lineup, and people who love Whit Merrifield are, are eventually going to have to admit he shouldn't be there. And then that, that, that's just a way to erode you know, love <laughs> in, in a player. And I know that you don't have to think that way, but at the same time, I mean, he's he's not helping the team. You've got Nicky Lopez, who had a 365 on base last year, and is I don't know what he's at this year, 380 something. He's he's just picked up right where he left off, basically. I mean, should he be? If Nicky Lopez is your best leadoff option, do you really have a leadoff option? I don't know. But at the same time, right now, if it's between Merrifield and Lopez, I think you got to go with Lopez and. I don't. I don't think the Royals are anywhere near doing that. You know, Merrifield still have a hot streak in him. He's not going to continue like this all season long. I wouldn't expect. But um, I mean, it's. I I would like to see him in the middle of the order. Honestly, not because he can drive the ball, but because he puts the bat on the ball, and so you can actually start to move some runners instead of seeing, you know, kind of the the swing and miss issues we've seen from Santana and to a lesser extent Dozier, who has actually only struck out a couple times this year, but. Um, it's you know it's they 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 could use some contact in the middle of the order to move these guys when when if and when people do get on in front of them so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate to see that honestly does it add I mean I I'm just I'm speaking as a as a Royals fan here it, does it add to the frustration that they've got they do things like bat a guy at the top of the lineup um, and then they'll make other decisions and you could say well maybe they're doing that for longer term reasons but then they'll make another decision that seems completely opposed to the plan of you know the decision they made 2 months earlier and they're making it about a different player does that add to the frustration that okay you can justify any one decision but it seems like all these decisions go against the reasons they gave for previous decisions 
Oh, absolutely. And that look, that's what a good organization doesn't do. And it's what a bad organization does. Everything that any organization does should follow the over the overarching plan. And and if you start to make exceptions for individual players, um, in whatever situation you're looking at, then I, I think what, what ends up happening is your plan starts to get so skewed that it, there no longer is a plan. And and I think that's something that, that plagues the Royals organizationally. Um, you know, I, I, they, they talk about you know wanting we got to keep just as an example we got to keep Mondesi at shortstop. And look, the Royals' defense is phenomenal and on the infield, especially. I mean, we've seen what Mondesi's done there. But they don't have a problem moving Bobby Witt Jr. or Nick Prado and MJ Melendez playing in the outfield of the same game. Like, that's fine. <laughs> if you want to say, hey, we want a team of, of uh, versatile defenders, great. But then they should have a team of versatile defenders and move guys around, not just certain guys. And, and I just think that, that, like I said, it, it erodes the plan entirely. Um, and, yeah, it makes it super frustrating. We're talking with David Lesky for a few more minutes here on RCST. Who reaches the uh, Mendoza line first, Bobby Witt Jr. or Adalberto Mondesi? Um, oh, it's tough to, tough to say because we don't, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. has shown, or he showed last year that he was a slow starter in the minors, and then he picked it up pretty quickly and then came around. Mondesi has shown that he can go weeks without doing anything, but then when he does, he's like 10 for his next 13 with four home runs. So <laughs> um, I, I think it'll be Bobby Witt because I think he's a better hitter. Um, but I mean, I don't think it would surprise anybody if, if Mondesi has that type of series against the twins this week and all of a sudden you look up and he's their best hitter by the numbers for, for a couple of days. But yeah, I mean, I think Bobby Witt getting a couple of hits on Saturday was a good start. Um, but they're going to fall in. I mean, he's not having terrible at bats. He's, he's, he's having some rookie adjustment things going on, but we all we expect that. Um, so I, I think he's first, but I mean, I don't think it would surprise me if Monty gets there. He is David Lesky. Subscribe to his stub sack. Check out his work inside the crown. David, before we let you go, one last thing with Adam. All right, David, one last thing. What was your AIM screen name? Oh, God, do I have to tell you for real? I mean, I suppose you don't have to. There's no rule. To I mean, I guess, make I it up. I could lie about it. I mean, if, um, if you're, tell you. it'd be fun if it'll you be, did. It'll be a secret between us. Nobody else is listening oh, to this. Yeah. Okay, cool. Perfect. Um, so I don't, I have literally no idea where this came from. I tried a bunch of different combinations that they kept spitting back. No, it's already used, already used. And I ended up with fly and fly. F L Y I N F L Y. Why? I don't know. I don't know what it means. I don't know where it came from, but that's where I was literally through college. That's all right. I mean, that, that wasn't when you, when you, when you brought that up, I, I thought you were. And like I, I, I would have been somewhat surprised by this, but then the way you you seemed embarrassed, I thought was it something like inappropriate and creepy <laughs> like you or something? Say the word on air. Like that wasn't no, that wasn't nearly as bad as you set it up for. No, it's just I, I you know, it's my wife makes me for it because I told her and I never should have, and so I, I have a complex now. <laughs> you're, I mean, your wife's supposed to make funny of for stuff. That's what they do. No, you're right. You're right. That's fair. <laughs> well, David, appreciate the time as always, man, and uh, looking forward to talking to you next week. Me too. Thanks, guys. All right, that was David Lesky, Inside the Crown. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. RCST Trivia next. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? 
You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. All right, we're back for some more RCST trivia today. Three matchups coming at you on today's edition. We originally were supposed to have four. One got pushed back to later this week. RCST trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kurt Geiser State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, Homefield Apparel, CBD of Lawrence, Pella Windows and Doors, RockChalk.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros. 23rd Street Brewery, our title sponsor. You can get dine-in, carry-out, and catering all available. They have the outdoor patio when the weather warms up, which it's been hit or miss, kind of some rain and thunder this week, so maybe not this week, the week, but you're definitely going to want to check out that patio when you get a chance because you're going to sit outside with the nice weather when it does warm up, eat some of that delicious Bill Self mac and cheese or maybe a Hank Booth burger or a Haney turkey stack or whatever, any of the great menu items at 23rd Street Brewery. And you can always, as always, wash it down with a great 23rd Street Brewery beer, which you can get to grow as well with their crowlers as part of the dine-in, carry-out, or catering options. All winners of today's matchups and all first-round matchups are getting a $25 gift card. 223rd Street Brewery. Every round you advance, you get another $25 gift card to the brewery from that Bill Self mac and cheese to the Crimson Fog or Wave the Wheat to wash it down. You're also getting a RCST Trivia t-shirt. Cannot be bought. You have to win it via RCST Trivia. Um, coming up after that, we have some more awesome prizes as well. Sizzling 16, you get a voucher for a free sandwich plus a free breakfast sandwich at McDonald's in Lawrence. When life gets you busy, make life happen. Download and order with the McDonald's app. A $20 CBD of Lawrence gift card. CBD of Lawrence located over at 4821 West 6th Street. $10 Hawaiian Bros gift card thanks to Kurt Geeser State Farm. Give Kurt and his team a call or email today. See what he can do for you. And another $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery. But getting a little bit ahead of ourselves right there. Let's get on to our first first-round matchup of today between the 8-seed Matt Reuter and the 9-seed Justin Waysmooth. All right, so Matt and Justin in this 8-9 matchup. Winner of this gets the one seed out of the Midwest, and Eric Hansey, our defending champion. Justin, we'll start with you here. Uh, this is your third appearance in RCST Trivia. You're over so far. Uh, do you feel more prepared this year? Uh, how would you compare? Have you, have you done anything different to get ready for this edition than in the past two? I have not. I've just gotten a year older and then uh, just hopefully not space off like I have the last two years with like last year, I, I missed out on uh, Connor Frankamp. We call him the, the, the balding white guy. So that tells you where I'm at with, with names. That's where I was at. So I, I think I'm better this year. Yeah, well, you clearly knew the player, just uh, unfortunately didn't know the name. Uh, Matt, this is your second appearance in trivia. You lost last year, but uh, you went 4-1 and one in questions. So uh, you had a tough first-round matchup a year ago. Do you remember what you went out on last year, and, and what are you, you you doing anything differently this year? Uh. I think last year was, um, I can't remember if it was the most attempts or most makes for three pointers um, that I couldn't think of. And then as far as prepping, probably I've done less than I did last year just because uh, I have a one-year-old and just less time this year. Yeah, that's uh, that's fair. Well, they say when you're a new parent that uh, sometimes it gives you a little bit more, I don't know, you see that in like sports and golf and stuff. Like the player will have a kid and then he'll go win a tournament or something. So maybe maybe that's a good sign for you here, although uh, a year old, so not just brand new for the baby here. All right, so uh, as we get going here, Justin, you are the nine seeds, slightly lower here. Would you rather go first or second? Uh, I'll, I'll go second. 
All right, so Justin's going to go second. Matt, that means you are up first. So uh, we're going to go through our questions here. We'll start up in the really easy round. Matt, your first question. What former Kansas player was nicknamed March Malik? Uh, Malik Newman. That is correct. March Malik. Now there's Remy Marchin or, I don't know, March Martin, whatever you want to call him. But Malik Newton, Newman, the original, uh, doing so in 2018 with leading KU to the Final Four. This one for you, Justin. What Kansas player is nicknamed Big Dave? Dave McCormick. That is correct. David McCormick, nicknamed Big Dave. And uh, I, I wish the Big Mac would have stuck around on that. You have McCormick in there. But I guess he's a Wendy's guy. He's a Wendy's guy, so that doesn't work out. Okay, uh, on to the easy portion of the questions. This one for you, Matt. This all-Big 12 guard who has his number four jersey retired led Kansas with 15.5 points per game in the 2009-2010 to season that ended in the second round. Jerron Collins. Jerron Collins, one of many famous KU players to wear the number four in quite the career at KU. Okay, for you, Justin, this all-Big 12 forward who has his number 22 jersey retired led Kansas with 17.2 points per game in the 2010-2011 season that ended in the Elite Eight. Uh, Marcus Morris. That is correct. Did you almost say Markeith Morris there? You... I did. I did. <laughs> okay. I saw for a second you stopped yourself, and uh, good thing you did. Marcus Morris was the correct answer. Okay, on to the medium round. This one for you, Matt. Kansas lost one Big 12 home game during the 2006-2007 season. It was a 69-66 loss with college game day there to who? Um, Kansas State. Is that your final answer? Yeah. The correct answer is Texas A&M. That is the famous AC Law game where AC Law with college game day there hits the uh, big three to give Kansas their lone home loss of the 06-07 season. Okay, Justin, chance for you to uh, move on and get off the schneid, get your first first round victory. From that point on, after the loss to Texas A&M, Kansas rattled off 14 straight wins including a Big 12 Tournament Championship victory over who? Oklahoma State. That is incorrect. The correct answer. Kansas beat Texas in a 88-84 overtime game in the Big 12 Championship that season. That was uh, quite the good one with uh, Kevin Durant and all those guys for KU. All right, Justin visibly upset with himself after not getting that one right. So we keep going here. We'll stick in the medium category. Matt, for you. In 2017, Kansas set a school record for three-point makes in an NCAA tournament game with 15 of them against what opponent? Um... Purdue. That is correct. 15 three-point makes against Purdue. I think they got close a couple times uh, this season, but 
Yeah, they were hitting everything in that game, and I guess they used up all their threes in Kansas City because it uh, did not translate into the Elite Eight. All right, Justin, for you to stay alive, pressure on this one. The KU record for most three-point attempts in an NCAA tournament game came one year later with 36 tries against two. So 2018 NCAA tournament. Uh, I'm going to say Duke. That is a good guess. Duke is the correct answer. It helped. It went to overtime, and also KU was hitting a lot of them against that zone. All right. We got a good one going on here between Justin and Matt. We're going to move up to the hard round. Matt, this one for you. Danny Manning holds the KU record for most career rebounds with 1,187 of them. What KU big man is second on that rebound list with exactly one less rebound? Uh, this is the one I would have known last year. The <laughs> um, Clyde Lavella? Unfortunately, <clears throat> the correct answer is Rafe LaFrentz. Well, I had Lavelle high up on that list as well, but Rafe, exactly one rebound left. If they, if they would have beat Arizona in the Sweet 16, or I guess the next year, UTEP in the second round, then I guess uh, he would have broken that rebound record. All right, this one for you, Justin, for the win. Who is KU's all-time leader in career steals with 336 of them across his four-year career? You got two names. I'm going to go with Doc Vaughn. As incorrect. Who was who the other name you were thinking about? I was going to go with Aaron Miles. The correct answer was Darnell Valentine. Darnell okay. Valentine with a illustrious four-year career for KU. All right, we're going to stay in the hard category. This one for you, Matt. Only trailing Danny Manning's 22 points, this KU center notched 19 points and a team-high 12 rebounds in KU's 1986 Midwest Regional Final victory to advance to the Final Four. What's his name? Can you repeat the question again? Yes, uh, 1986, this player not named Danny Manning, he was second on the team in points that day in the Midwest Regional Final. KU won to go to the Final Four. He had 19 points and a team-high 12 rebounds from this center. What's his name from 1986? God, nothing. I should know this, but... 10 seconds. Uh, I got nothing. All right, not even a lob, not even the full-court shot attempt there. The correct answer is Greg Dryling. Greg Dryling, a really good center for KU. I think former uh, McDonald's All-American. Okay, this one for you, Justin. Another chance at the win. Helping Kansas get to that point in the season was this KU point guard who logged 11 points and a team-best 10 assists in KU's 1986 Sweet 16 victory. What's his name? (laughs) 
uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Scooter Barry. That is incorrect. The correct answer is Cedric Hunter. Cedric Hunter. All right, we're going to move back down to the medium category. We've got a triple overtime matchup here between Matt and Justin. This one for you, Matt. Despite losing, KU set its school record for most steals in an NCAA tournament game in 2007 with 17 of them against who? 2007? Yep. UCLA. That is correct. UCLA, the team they lost to in the Elite Eight, it's 17 steals, but they just could not buy a layup in that game. Okay, Justin, prior to Kansas going 19 of 20 against Creighton, this NCAA tournament, the previous school record for free throw percentage in an NCAA tournament game for KU came in 2016 by going 18 of 19 against who? Sorry, but going 18 of 19 in a loss against two. Ten seconds. Is that Stanford? That is incorrect. The correct answer was Villanova. KU went 18 of 19 on free throws in that Elite Eight game against Villanova, but just uh, couldn't hit a three outside of Devontae Graham. And uh, that'll do it. A marathon matchup between Justin and Matt. And it ends here for you, Matt. Um, How many times throughout the matchup did you feel like you were going home? Uh, uh, Yeah, I couldn't think of, um, especially that last question that I got wrong. I thought it was, I thought it was done. So, um, yeah, just thankful we'll move forward and hopefully have some time to uh, look over some stuff over the next week. Well, Justin, you fall just a bit short. Um, anything you would have done differently in hindsight? Uh, gotten one of those right. So <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. So uh, good luck to Matt as he moves on. So Was there one that you're going to be kicking yourself more than the others? Uh, probably the uh, 07 championship. Uh, with Texas, I right after I said that, I knew exactly what it was. So, but it is what it is. So, well, good job, guys. Justin, hopefully, we can get you off the Schneid next year. It's coming, it's coming. Right. You had All some right. chances Sounds this good. time. Thank you. Uh, Matt, congratulations. You're moving on, taking on one seed in Eric coming up in the next round. So, should be a good one there, guys. Appreciate you both playing this year. Thank you. All right, our first round matchup in the books our first first-round matchup, I should say, between Matt and Justin. That was a marathon. Um, trying to see. We had, let's see, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14. 14 questions were asked between the two of them. And uh, I don't know. It looks like 4 and 3 was the winning record there for Matt. So, a marathon. Some of those might have been leaning on hard in the medium, so you get it. But, uh, yeah, I uh, I don't know. We had a good matchup. That's one of those games where it's like it's not the prettiest game in the world, but it's close. So you'll take it. You'd rather have that than a blowout. So from that standpoint, good. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes from there on. Um, Eric certainly going to have to be on your top game. If you uh, want to take down a one seed in RCST trivia, but hey, 
First matchup, exciting matchup, so can't complain about it. Thank you to Matt and Justin for doing that. Matt is moving on and getting a $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery, as well as a RCST Trivia t-shirt. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll have our second trivia matchup of the day featuring the 7 seed, Christopher Bolke, and the 10 seed, Chris Conway, out of the East region. That coming up on the other side. You're listening to RCST Trivia on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, the KLWN app, or you're listening in the future on the Best of RCST podcast. See you after Our second trivia matchup of the day features a 7-10 matchup. A couple of Chris's. Who will get to keep their name? Who will uh, have to change their name? I think that's the official bet between Chris Bolke and Chris Conway. Uh, Chris Bolke is our 7 seed. Chris Conway, our 10 seed. This is out of the uh, East region in the lower right-hand corner. So winner of this will get the winner of the 215 matchup with uh, Sam Oliver, our 2 seed. And uh, both of you guys appearing in this Last season, both of you guys fallen short in the first round. We'll start with you, Chris Conway, the uh, 10 seed here. Did you do anything different in preparation for this year's edition of trivia than you did maybe last year? Uh, no, just went through maybe a few Wikipedia pages, but that would be it. Okay, we'll see if that uh, comes out to help with with Chris C here. Uh, Chris Bolke, so we're going to call you guys Chris B and Chris C here. Chris Bolke, uh, you mentioned you were in it last year. You went back and forth for a while before a late-round defeat. Do you remember the question that you went out on last year? Oh, I want to say it was a Danny Manning um, question. It had to do with rebounds. It was either him or Nick Collison, and I think I picked Nick Collison. It was Danny. Yeah, those those Danny May questions. A lot of times, it's you know, it's uh, if you, you can't think of it, just guess Danny or Wilt. But sometimes it is one of those other guys, and and then whether it's Nick or Rafe or whoever. Um, but all right, so uh, Chris Conway, you are the lower seed. You're the ten seed. So uh, would you rather go first or go second? I'd rather go second. <clears throat> all right, so you're gonna go second. That means Chris B. You're going to go first in our battle of the Chris's. Let's go ahead and cue the music and get things rolling luck, here. You as well. All right. Chris B. Love the sportsmanship. Really easy question first up. Chris B., what is the name of KU's sixth-year big man and backup center on this past year's team? Oh, man. Well, I'm guessing that's going to have to be big Mitch Lightfoot. That is Mitch Lightfoot in his sixth year. I'm sure many Kansas fans wish it could be a year seven. It's not the case for him, but it was the case for this next guy, Chris C. Your next question, or your first question, what is the name of KU's seventh-year shooting guard who transferred into the program and has two last names? Jalen Coleman-Lands. That's right. Jalen Coleman-Lands didn't play a ton of minutes in uh, some of the big games, but certainly had his moments this year and uh, played his role. Okay, uh, next up, this one for you, Chris B., and the easy question, this wing led Kansas with 13.8 points per game in the 2006 to 2007 season. Oh, Lord. Oh. Gosh. Um. I'm stumped on this, so I'm just going to throw out J.R. Giddens. I think J.R. Giddens is 03, 04, 05, something like that. Um, Brandon Rush is the correct answer. Brandon Rush. I don't even miss that. 
He uh, uh-huh. led KU three straight seasons, 05, 06, 06, 07, and then the title team in 07, 08 the next year. Okay, this one for you, Chris C., to win the Battle of the Chris's. Mario Chalmers was second on that 06, 07 team in points per game. This high-flying sophomore forward, who was a first-round pick after the 06, 07 season, was third on the team with 12 points per game. What's his name? Julian Wright. Damn it. <laughs> you got it. That is correct. <laughs> Julian Wright, the correct answer. Uh, would have been fun to see what KU would have looked like 07, 08 if Julian Wright was back as well, but Darrell Arthur might not have been able to flourish as much, which certainly was big on its own. So, uh, Chris B., we'll start with you. After hearing the answer, Brandon Rush, is that one that you're going to be kicking yourself on, or is that one that you just wouldn't have known? Uh, no, it's I should have put the time frame together, and uh, JR was there a little earlier before he transferred out. So, no, nah, I mean, it, it's always fun. I have a good time here. There's a lot of KU history there, and uh, <clears throat> without without that history, we wouldn't be doing it, so... Yep, that's right. Well, uh, Chris B., did, did you know the answer to his Julian Wright question? Yeah, Julian Wright's actually my favorite KU mm. player that never stayed long enough to actually show what he was really worth. So, Well, uh, it's unfortunate. Sometimes the luck of the draw, you never know which question you're going to get, <laughs> and unfortunate for you there. And, you know, makes it uh, a little tough, but it also makes it like the NCAA tournament. Sometimes ball just doesn't bounce your way. Chris C., you're moving on. The Julian Wright answer. Did you know the answer to uh, Chris's question, the Brandon Rush one? My my guess would have been Julian Wright, but I, you said you said wing. Yeah. So when you answered, when you asked the question, in my head I was contemplating back and forth if Julian Wright would fall under like a wing or a forward. So um, I probably would have said right on that question. Well, it's, uh, again, good thing that, that the questions came out the way they did for you in that situation. So, Chris C., congratulations. You're moving on. Chris B., unfortunate that it had to end like that, but uh, we hope we get you back next year for a uh, third straight year. Uh, we'll start freshening up now. There Chris we go. C., good luck, brother. Take it down. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right. That was our second trivia matchup. Dude, you know what I'm learning here? Do people just not remember Brandon Rush very well? Because that that's could what, be we two had or a three questions. Number twenty-five. We did. Mm-hmm. I, I, the thing is, is it, as and I wonder if this team's going to be like that too. Because um, everyone just so balanced. remembers exactly. Everyone remembers Mario Chalmers for obvious reasons, but I if if I always say that if like you know, one thing that I'm certain of that if that if that game was just if that had gone to overtime under different circumstances that you know and, and it didn't require a great shot. Um, from Mario, or if KU just won it without needing a big shot, that I think one Darrell Arthur mm-hmm. uh, would have won MOP that year. Do you but think it would have been all- him or Rush though? Because Rush had the better Final Four game. Yeah, but it, it's gonna yeah. go to the guy with the better Final game, especially when he has a double double. Um, but I, I think also the other thing is I think it very I think it would a lot of those players would be they'd all remember, but like the specifics would be tougher to remember because they were just such a crazy balanced team. Like their player of the game, um, like Steph Curry won, you know, MOP of that region. But the I, I still remember they gave out, uh, I think it was Chevrolet. Like you know, they'll always read at the end of every game like our player of the game sponsored right, by right. Chevrolet, and the Chevrolet will give five thousand dollars to the scholarship fund of each school, and they pick a player from each team. For KU that game in the Elite Eight was Sasha Khan. 
Yeah. So it was, it was like he had, I think, 13 and 5 or 13 and 8. It went 6 like, of 6 in the field. That team just had dudes that would, any night, like Sasha Khan, everybody, and rightly so, remembers Cole Aldrich's minutes from the Final Four. But Khan made a few big shots when um, North Carolina was clawing back into it and get within four points. Khan uh, made a few big shots on, of, you know, for KU on that stretch. So that, I don't know, that team just had dudes. The top to bottom, you were just like, anyone were, you know, all of them were contributors. Yeah. But, but because of that, it's hard to put, Nate, you know, it's hard to put specific stats to specific players. Well, let me ask you, if you could, and I don't want to do this from a standpoint of like, would KU have been better this year or something like that? But if hypothetically, like, let's just say you swapped Brandon Rush and Ochag Baji in time. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think Brandon Rush would have had a, a season where he could have averaged 18 a game or something like that. Like yeah, because I think Brandon Rush was probably more athletic than anybody else on this yeah. team this year. Junior, I jun- agree. Junior year, well, it really may be any year Brandon Rush, but especially junior year Brandon Rush, yeah, I, I think because he would have just been, uh, this team got more athletic by going into the weight room and stuff like that, but they still uh, weren't as athletic as, you know, some past KU teams, some that didn't even make the Final Four. See, I think Rush would have had a hell of a year on this team because he could shoot really well, he could drive really well. Yeah, and I just mean it more in general, like on a team where he wouldn't have had to share so many shots. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, he had it in him. You put him him on the 2016-17 team, he's getting what, 18, 20? Exactly, yeah. He had it in him to be that dude, the 18, 19 points a game. He just, there were so many other guys that he didn't have to. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I guess, I don't know. Everybody study up on your Brandon Rush trivia because apparently... Uh, that's kind of been a soft spot early on in uh, trivia 2022. And jersey numbers. Yes, jersey numbers and Brandon Rush. Just no fun facts about Brandon Rush, what his favorite color is, what his favorite food is. Kansas City kid, you should know more about him anyway. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, he's Adam Brevetta. I'm Derek Johnson. Two trivia matchups down, one to go for the day. We'll be back for it on the other side. This is RCST Trivia, brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kirk Geyser State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Homefield Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, RockChalk.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Our third and final trivia matchup of the day features a 413 matchup out of the uh, East region in the lower right-hand corner. Didn't have a lot of uh, East region matchups last week, so filling out that side of the bracket this week, and we've got the four seed, Chris Jurchic, which is uh, a third appearance for you, and we always mess up saying your last name, Chris. So uh, thanks for joining in yeah, again. Uh, yeah, your check, your check. Uh, that's right. Um, so thank you for joining in again. Thank you for correcting us on the name again, because like I said, we always mess it up. But uh, three and two in trivia matchups in the past, fifteen and five on trivia questions in the past. H- how do you think your past history is is going to help you out here in this one? And uh, are you doing anything different this go around? Uh, just kind of putting in the work, doing some research. Um, Thomas Edison said he found a thousand ways not to make a light bulb instead of getting it wrong a thousand times. I found five ways not to answer a question right. So, yeah, is there any question that, that you remember the most that sticks in your craw that you know you're like, how did I get that one wrong, or, or that bothers you the most? Oh, there was one from a game from the '50s, and it was 
I think it was called the game of the century. And I decide between K state and Missouri and I picked wrong and it would have advanced had I gotten that right. And well, you're back kind for of those more. 50, 50 ones. Yeah, back for more here in year three of RCST Trivia, and your opponent is a first-time contestant. That would be a Rock Chalk Blog, uh, a.k.a. Ryan Landreth here, our 13 seed. Do you feel like you were properly seeded? Do you feel a little underseeded by the committee here, Ryan? Definitely feel a little underseeded. I made the reference on Twitter that, that I, I need to pull out my inner Bradley in this particular case. Let's hope it's, it's uh, as Chris pointed out, it's not a, it's not a South Dakota state. Uh, as the alternative. Yeah, right. Um, who knows? Maybe a little Chattanooga with Silvio de Sosa, but outside of the uh, inability to make a shot in the second half. So we'll see what we got here. Should be a good little uh, 4-13 matchup here. And uh, Ryan, you are the lower seed. So would you rather go first or would you rather go second? Uh, I will go second to kind of get a get a little bit of an idea as to how it works specifically. All right, so uh, here we go. We're going to go through this thing as we cue the music here. Five different categories of questions. Chris, you will have the first question to be answered. In the really easy column for Chris, what position does Dewan Harris play? Point guard. That's right, point guard, guard, lead guard. A lot of different variations we would have accepted on that one. Okay, Ryan, this for you. What position... Did or does, because he's still live, uh, Udoka Azubuki play? Uh, Udoka Azubuki was a center. That's right. Center, big man. Again, a couple variations that we would have taken on that one. Okay, let's get a little harder for you guys to an easy question. For you, Chris, who did Kansas play in the national championship game this season? North Carolina. That's right. North Carolina. Who could forget? All right, this one for you, Ryan. Who did Kansas play in the Final Four this season? That was the revenge game on Villanova, and it was oh so good. Yes, it was. Jalen Brunson, I think, took to Twitter and said, this is revenge for 2018, and boy, did it feel like it. Though Villanova did get a little tighter than KU ended up in the second half, but nonetheless, KU winning big there. Okay, now it gets a little more interesting. On to the medium round. This for you, Chris. Clyde Lavellet set the KU record for points in an NCAA tournament game with 44 of them. The closest to breaking that record was what player who scored 42 points in a 1987 NCAA tournament game? Danny Manning? That's right. When in doubt, Danny or Will, those are the guesses. And uh, Danny, the answer there. Okay, this one for you, Ryan. In 1957... The NCAA tournament, KU played Oklahoma City. What KU player in that game set the school record for most free throw attempts in a tourney game with 22 of them? Uh, it's got to be Will Chamberlain, right? That's right. Once again, Danny or Will. Those are always good guesses there. All right. Now let's let's crank up the music, get things a little more tense in here. We're going to get on to our hard round of questions. Hard and really hard. This is where champions are made. For you, Chris. Who was KU's head coach for that 1957 season in which they lost in the national championship game despite having Wilt Chamberlain? That was uh, Dick Harp. That's right, Richard Harp. Dick Harp, the uh, coach who was unable to win a title with Wilt. Still sounds like a very inappropriate instrument to me. We're not going there. We're not going there. Okay, this one for you, Ryan, to stay alive. The 1988 Kansas team was called Danny and the Miracles. 
what miracle, or basically other player not named Danny, was second on the team in scoring, only behind Danny Manning. He averaged over 11 points per game. What's his name? I do not know. You've got me. Ten seconds. Throw something out there. Can you name another uh, player outside of Danny Manning on the 88 team? Take a shot. We'll, we'll say Dave Robbins. Mm. Correct answer is Milt Newton. Milt Newton, who was awesome for KU. Chris, you're shaking your head. Is is that one that you would have known as well, or would I you have been stumped? I would have known that one. You would have got I that would, one? I would have guessed Milt. I wasn't 100% sure, but that would have been my answer. Ryan, um, obviously, you know, working with Rock Chalk Blog, you, you get to do a lot of stuff in the self era. Were, were you hoping that you didn't get something maybe as uh, past history? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anything self era on up, it would have been good to go. So gonna between now and next year, I'll do some do some reading on everything before that. Uh, would you have known the answer to Chris's question with Dick Harp? Uh, that would have been my guess. Yeah. They've only had eight coaches. So, I mean, I feel like you got a, you got a decent enough shot to get there. Well, that's the the tough part about this tournament. Sometimes you uh, get the wrong order of questions where uh just doesn't end up working your way. But, uh, Ryan, we hope you get you back next year. Uh, thanks for hopping on here. Chris, you're uh, moving on to the second round, and we'll see if we can uh, get you further than you've ever been before. So uh, thank you guys both for joining. Thank you. And, Derek, before we leave, I'd just like to say you're doing a much better job than whoever that guy was hosting <laughs> the last couple of years. He could take some notes from you. Yeah, do you uh, do you feel disgraced that, uh, you know, he's only one seed line away from you? I uh, I hope he can make it to the Final Four so I can see him. There we go. There we go. Love it, the storylines. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck, Chris. All right, our third and final matchup of the day. I, I think um, we noticed this last year, and I'm sure, you know, I'll, I'll tally up the stats once the first round's done, once we get to the sizzling 16, stuff like that. Um, last year, we noticed, I, th- I think of the eight people who made the grade eight, either six or seven of them were returners to RCST trivia. Okay. And, I, and think, I think you learn a lot. I do. I do. You learn a lot. Which is you, why you we go questions. back and say, if, if you're a first other, time, yeah. exactly, if you're a first timer, all of our podcasts are out before. Mm-hmm. The last year's trivia was um, was pre Adam, but it's still those podcasts are still up. Um, so if you if you're a first timer, study up and find out what I think that the milk. I think that was for the hard category. I think that was a very fair question. Mm-hmm. There's a really famous sign. Dude, Mill Newton was so good. I, well, I think, and I think there was a couple twenty point games in the tournament. I think if you go every, if you've been to Allen Fieldhouse, you know what I'm talking about. It's it's near the area where the camping is, right where the KU locker room is. There's that big kind of montage, a really well-painted montage, um, or collage, I guess, since it's pictures. Um, a collage of photos, a lot of its players, but there's also fans. And in there is kind of a famous picture from 88. And I don't know who the fan was, but somebody was holding up a picture that says, and then there was Milt. And that that's kind of a, a well-known photo. Um, not, not as well-known, like there's the video of Danny Manning giving the two-fist pump from uh, after making a big play against OU, that's a super iconic one. But that's a well that I, I always picture that because it's a very simple sign. It looks like they probably just made it at Kemper Arena. It's just a very simple sign that says, "And then there was Milt." And so, um, I think yeah, that that's a um, 
I think that was very well done in in the you know in the hard category. Milt Newton. I think a lot of KU fans should know him. However, I think it is he's kind of right in line. Earlier today, we had a question about Greg Dryling. So there's kind of a group of um, yeah. How many of the, the, the miracles? How many of will. the miracles could you name? Um, I can go Milt, Kevin Pritchard, Chris Piper. Was Dave Robish on the '88 team? I don't know if he was or not. He was around there. Dryling graduated by then. Um, I think um, I think Mark Randall was on the team, but he redshirted. Was he? So it wouldn't count as a miracle, right? Oh, yeah, of course he would. If you have a ring, okay, you're a that's miracle. fair. That's fair. But I mean, like in, they called Danny and the Miracles because they made that run. He wasn't, you know, part of the run. He, he wins the title. He deserved he, it. I'm, he pushed I, I just, them. Like, at, he pushed them at practice. Yeah, no, I, I, I do think that matters. Like I actually do. But like, I don't know. Do I you know. get to be termed as a miracle though? Like that's I don't know. where I might it draw the line. It sounds more like a band, like like right. Donna, like Donna Summers and the Supremes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I do feel better that Chris knew both answers. Like, I, I guess you could argue maybe. I don't know. I think they were both fair in the hard question, in the hard category. Um, but, yeah, it's it's like I said, uh, a lot of people come back for this. You, you you learn about the questions. You learn about what you need to study. A lot of these guys do study some right, of the past quick, stuff. My parents will kill me if I – Diana Ross in the mm-hmm. Supremes, not okay. Donna Summers. I screwed that one. Um, my bad. So the veterans tend to do well, and it's a combination of those things, knowing what to expect, knowing what to study. Because like I said, a lot yeah. of these people do study. They go back to media guides go, or go back, reference yeah, old, or whatever. Yeah, there's a lot, you know, that's, um, I know, I thought, I, I think because a lot of people, I, I I think you'd be surprised about how many people probably think Fog Allen coached um, Coach Wilt. Yeah. So. Or uh, Ted Owens, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Dick Harp is... I think the most forgotten of the coaches is W. O. Hamilton, um, and then which I hope I didn't just give something away for future. Yeah, maybe questions. be listening. But, uh, it helps you out. W. O. Hamilton, I think, is the most forgotten. But then in there, Ted Owens and Dick Harp, who both made multiple. I think multiple finals. Ted Owens made two. Dick Harp made at least one. Um, but anyway, mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's it's kind of a crazy the list of KU. You know, it's it's only eight guys long. Well, we're uh, moving on, and Chris Yurchek should say that name right. Um, he he's been really good in our event the last two years. So he uh, sounds like he'd be a hockey player. Chris Yurchek, like oh, just Chris Yurchek. Well, just the oh, name, Yurchek, all of you it, into the, 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 the 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 you know, I don't know, all of it. It just sounds Chris Yurchek of the Philadelphia Flyers <laughs> sounds right. Okay, well, that's trivia for today. We have three more matchups coming up tomorrow. Brian Rainey, G.J. Amelia, John Self, Blake McFarland, and Jess Coffey versus Blake Farrell. Those are on the docket for tomorrow. But that's trivia for today as we continue on in our first-round coverage of 2022 RCST Trivia. We're going to take a timeout. More sports talk on the other side. With Adam Brevet, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was. Right now, on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. All right, case of the Mondays. We typically do this at 4 o'clock on your Mondays, but obviously RCST trivia going on, so we're going to do it at 5 o'clock. 
Here on your Monday with Adam Dravetta, I am Derek Johnson. RCST brought to you by T-Mobile. You can finally join America's largest and fastest 5G network at T-Mobile here in Lawrence. And if you come see us at some of our remotes, you can get a T-Mobile cup that changes colors. Yeah, they got all sorts of cool stuff. Just as away. cool as a great network. By the way, uh, the match with Patrick Mahomes is, uh, well, the match is coming back. Patrick Mahomes is going to be part of it. He'll be on the team with Josh Allen. They're going to be taking on Tom Brady and the Aaron Rodgers. The match, by the way, June for 1st. those who don't know, is uh, golf. Golf. Yep. Okay, on to your case of the Mondays. You know who's having a case of the Mondays today? Bigfoot non-believers. Uh-oh. I honestly, I don't know. I've, I've never, like, actually, like, had the conversation in my own mind of, like, do I believe in Bigfoot or not? It's just been like, oh, I'm okay, more that's apt interesting. To, I'm more apt to believe in weird crap in the oceans than on land. Because, I mean, we've, we've... There's, like, old we've, dinosaurs that could be in there, right? We've gotten through a lot of, mm-hmm. of land, except for, like, the Arctic. Like, I don't know if you ever saw that movie, The Thing. But, no. like, that was up either in the Arctic or the Antarctic. Like, something weird can exist in, in one, at one of the poles because those are so isolated. But we, we've covered so much land by now. I, that's hard to, to, to imagine to me. But there can be, like, we really don't know much about the oceans. So a lot of, there could be a lot of stuff going on in the ocean. So you could buy uh, Loch Ness Monster more than you could Bigfoot. Well, he's in a lock, not in, a, in okay. an ocean. But yeah, conceivably. Yeah. Uh, so this is from. I'm not. I'm not opposed to the concept of Bigfoot. I think the more likely scenario for a Bigfoot is um, somebody like somebody maybe have had like a, a an ape of some sort, like an orangutan, as an Ill- illegal pet, and then let it go. Yeah. So this comes from uh, Josh Moon, who works for um, uh, OwlReporter.com. It's like a in Alabama uh, reporting whatever. Uh, thing and it was it was circulating around on Twitter over the weekend a little bit that um, there's some pictures in Alabama of just this like did you see this you know what I'm talking about I have no clue what you're talking I mean about. it just I, the description would be it's it looks weird. like it a seems, like Bigfoot seems like gorilla it would be good type for thing a, uh, it's a person in a costume I know that's what most of these are right um. And then somebody will take a picture of it, and they'll have their friend do it, and then they'll send yeah. it into the news. Do you think that's what this is? That looks very much upright, but as, here, as though it's a person. And a here's costume. my here's my like thing with this. Do people actually care anymore if Bigfoot is real or not? Like honestly. Oh, if it came out, like if, if if like if they came out, like you be that we totally big of a deal? found this. Yeah, I think that'd be a big damn deal. To me, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Like, like it wouldn't. You it can, wouldn't like, talk be... and like cure cancer. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Like... It, it, the discovery of a long, a never before seen creature or a long thought, not not real creature. Yes, that would be a very big deal. It wouldn't be as big deal as say aliens visiting, mm-hmm. but that would be a big deal. I just view it as like okay, so it's basically like a mix of like a bear, a human, and a gorilla. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it's, it's that's why it's called the missing link. It's it's the step between mm-hmm. ape and human. Um, You're not buying this one. It's a hoax. That looks like a person in a costume. Two things on this though. One, uh, there's a great movie. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwait, who's primarily a comedian, made a really good movie. That's shot in the same manner. It's kind of shot first person, like the Blair Witch Project, but it's about this couple that goes hunting for for a Sasquatch. Um, it's a it's a really fun like if you like spooky movies, it's a really fun little movie, uh, and it's called uh, Willow Creek. So I recommend that one. Secondly, um, on the topic of that, like and where it's taking place, 
if Bigfoot did exist and is in Alabama, um, Saban would use that as a left tackle, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know about the left tackle. I can see, like, it depends. How aggressive is Bigfoot? We don't know. It could be right? gentle. Yeah. I, if he's gentle, then yeah. You know you, you know some offensive linemen that they're like kind of like gentle giants off yeah, the yeah, field? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can see that. But if he's like an aggressor, Aggra- I think yeah, a end. linebacker. A linebacker up yeah. and line. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Okay. Well, uh, you're not buying it. So maybe not case of the Mondays for non-believers. Man, can you imagine how bad that guy must stink? <laughs> he needs a shower. That's like the first thing Nick Saban. You need a shower, dude. Okay. Uh, case of the Mondays. Old NBA players. Out with the old, in with the new. That's the uh, saying, right? The weekend of NBA playoffs, which you could, uh, if you count the play-ins, whatever. But, like, if we're actually calling the weekend the yeah. start of the NBA playoffs. It was a fun start to the offs. It was dominated by young guys. Yeah. I mean, you have Jordan Poole just making everything for the Warriors. He's, I think, 22, something like that. Um, Donovan Mitchell, 25-year-old, leads the, the Jazz to... Road win over the the Mavericks with thirty seem points. Like Donovan Mitchell has been twenty five for a decade. It does. I mean, he came out. I think he came out after his sophomore year at Louisville. Louisville and uh, he. Danny was, Manning. I by think the he was way. a year younger than new his associate age. head coach at Louisville. Yeah. Um. But I mean, young guys just all over the uh, Tyrese Maxey, thirty eight yeah. points for the Philadelphia 76ers. sixers. I'm missing someone who went off as well, who's like really young. But um, young guys are really taking over. Uh, and yeah. an NBA playoffs where. You don't have LeBron James. You don't have that classic storyline of, you know, what's going to happen there with LeBron, LeBron and chasing another ring and everything. Who is it? Did you already say, who's the guy that went off for the Bucs? Um, Giannis? No, I, I thought I thought a kid, a younger guy did. Anyway, maybe, maybe they did. I might be forgetting. Nonetheless, it's, it's cool to see all these young players and these storylines of these young guys who are going off and um, just being the next wave. And it, it really does feel like... You know, one of my my issues, I still watch it and stuff, but one of my issues with the NBA playoffs for a lot of years has been the lack of parity. Like, in the NFL, you have a general idea of who could make it. Yeah. But there's still, like, you know, four or five teams in each side, typically. Um, sometimes maybe it's two or three, yeah, right? The, in the, the, years the with, NBA, you've got a short list it's, of it, actual exactly. contenders. And, and maybe there realistically still is. But it's it's longer than it has been in the past, and that That's was the why case last year also. I still say the 2011 playoffs were the best playoffs in my. They're awesome. I mean, the, you had the 11 what, a four seed versus a three seed in the you, conference yeah, finals. Yeah, Dirk winning it. That was my favorite playoffs of my. You had the young Thunder like coming coming out. The Memphis Grizzlies upset the Spurs in the first round, and then the Thunder and the and the Grizzlies went to a seven gamer in the semifinals. You had, you know, the first iteration of the of the Super Team Heat. Like, that was my favorite, favorite playoffs, and this this could come close to contending it. We could have, you and I could have watched uh, day one over with some wings and BLTs, but you had other <laughs> things to Easter do. weekend plans. Um, I think that, I don't know, like, maybe I could see in the West, like, to me, it's it's probably the Suns or the Warriors, so that, that list probably would be a little bit shorter. Oh, I think it's the Warriors. Yeah, I, I don't know. Suns are really but, good. Yeah, they are, but but it, like, I, I might be, if I told you those two were the field, you're yeah, taking yeah, those two, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might be too juiced about the Warriors after game one. If Maybe I'll come back to earth a little bit. If I gave you two teams in the East, you could pick whatever two you wanted. I'm not sure you would take that versus the field. I mean, the, the, like, that's it, kind of the cool the part. The immediate there. thought would be the, uh, Bucks. The, the Bucks and the Heat. That's or the maybe thing. the Bucks and the Celtics. The Bucks but are probably The Bucks. Nets, I mean. Nets could do it. The Nets. 
it was what was, the Heat or the who, one seed. If you're not taking it, the Celtics. Was it the Tatum defense? that can the layup? Yeah. I mean, if he doesn't, you know, and you don't know. Marcus Smart says he was passing it to Tatum, but he might have been trying to pass it across the court to. Um, I think White was over there mm-hmm. at the three point line. So, so it, you know, so that that game could have gone so many different ways to wind up in the hands of the Nets. So they could be up one nothing right now. Yeah. So I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of parity in the NBA playoffs, maybe more than we've seen in I mean, a, a lot of the years. Last year we did. Last get year, some, you know the, what I mean. The Bucks don't make the playoffs if Kevin or don't make the finals if Kevin Durant's foot is a half an inch right, back. Right. And um, I mean, the Suns were like the Suns were a really good team last year, but it. If you would have said going into the playoffs, I mean, that was the first time that core of the Suns team had been to the playoffs. That team was going to go to the finals and lead, what was it, 102-0 in the finals? Like, yeah. That is more parity than we've seen in years past. So that was kind of cool, and, and I kind of uh, enjoyed seeing that over the weekend. How about the sport of baseball? It's oh. uh, feeling a case of the Mondays it's... today because, you know, how can you have, like, you ever play, like, a video game or a game or, or do something where you just – you become so good at it that you just stop doing it because you're like, I've mastered this game. I have nothing else to do here. Yeah. Like, donkey, it's not even fun anymore. Donkey Kong Country. Yeah. So, like, what happens if somebody does that with a sport? Well, that is what's happening. Roki Sasaki, who is a 20-year-old. He was recently must have turned 20 because I, I saw before this he was 19. Um, I don't know if you saw this how guy. time works. Yeah, it is. 20 after 19. He, he does age. Um, yeah, he is, he's not defeated father time. But this is out of the Nippon Professional Baseball League. And this kid, Sasaki, in his last start, um, threw a nine-inning complete game with 19 strikeouts. That a boy. Or perfect game, I'm sorry. With 19 strikeouts. Perfect game with 19 strikeouts. And on top of it, you would say, oh, perfect game with 19 strikeouts? He must add a ton of pitches. He barely had over 100 pitches. He actually had seven pitches. We don't know how. Yeah, so then his most recent outing at the end of last week, he goes for an eighth-inning Perfect eight innings, 14 strikeouts, 102 pitches. They take him out before the ninth inning of work. So he has gone 17 straight innings without allowing anyone on base. So 17 straight perfect innings with 33 strikeouts. This guy's figured out baseball. If he comes to the MLB, because right now when you look at the way analytics have taken the MLB, you're basically your best hitters are either hitting home runs or striking out every at bat. He would have games where he would have 20-plus strikeout games, right? I would think he would be in contention to tie the record by Kerry Wood. Or is Kerry Wood and a couple others? Three-something? There's 20. I thought it was 20 strikeouts. I mean, for a season. Oh, for a season? I don't know. That's all dependent on durability. 21 or 22 for, yeah, Kerry Wood. um, One of my favorite Kerry Wood memories was him blowing a save for uh, Cleveland against the Royals. When his arm was just trash because he was a thousand. So I'm I'm interested to see because I don't know what the posting rules are there too. Like I, I think he might have to stay like five Who's more he years play there. For? He play for the Ham Fighters. I don't know, the but nip, I think I think nip if he, on Ham Fighters. He would have to team. join the MLB draft unless he waits till like a certain time. But maybe he would join the draft because he'll probably be the number one pick at that point. Okay, last up for case of the Mondays, the Cleveland Browns' future problems. Because their future problems yeah. are about to have a case of the Mondays with their cap space. Obviously, they already gave the big contract to Sean Watson, Miles Garrett, um, Nick Chubb. Now on, they just on, on. gave one to their to their cornerback. Denzel Ward, five-year, $100.5 million deal, $71 million guaranteed. Listen, I get it if it's Jalen Ramsey. He's like the best corner in the NFL. You can play him at corner safety, kind of like a nickel linebacker. I don't know about this. Do you That's understand a lot of how bad? Two things. One, I'm so happy so many of these teams are just 
just thrashing their cap room, just annihilating their cap for the next four or five years, and how badly I want the Chiefs to just stay put. <laughs> because every a- Derek, it's going to come in about three years. Every team in the AFC is going to be like the Saints are right now. And the Chiefs are just going to still have Patrick Mahomes. And they're going to be like, oh, Pat, man, you want another $12 bucks a year? Sweet. Yeah, we can do that. We got all these young guys around you, too. Go peel off 17 Super Bowls in a row. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. That's your case of the Mondays. This is RCST.